Okay. So if you don't have a preferred way of starting, then we're starting right now. Okay. Um, even works. though you're kind of doing whatever it is you're doing. I'm right turning now. down so, the baby's uh, music. Oh, in her it should room. be fine. Hear it all the way down. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, as we do the other things, let's start again because that's just what we're doing these days. Uh, welcome to the dark arts of conversation. I'm the witch and the baker. Dan. And I totally forgot what the hell we were doing. Oh my god, it's been so long. Anyway, it's, I was like, yeah. Danny, the dark it's my arts name. of conversation. That's right. That is Daniela. And that's Jeremiah over there. Yeah. Hi, guys. It's been a while. It has. We're deep in the trenches of parenthood. And, and life and coping. And having our second here in December. Woo. Yeah, because <laughs> you don't know that this. this time. Yeah, we recorded an episode haven't posted it. So we are pregnant and our next one is due December 6th, Mr. Casey Corvid and C-O-R-V-I-D, like yeah. the crow. Not the disease <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Just an FYI, if you ever see it, it's not a typo. It is <laughs> after a bird. Type. Yeah. We have a thing for crows. Yeah. And it probably doesn't help that it, we binge watched like Game of Thrones and I was like, oh, Little Crow, I want to call my child Little Crow. <laughs> you actually tried to name him Corvid as the first name, yeah. and I'm sorry, I love you, but for our child's sake, <laughs> we stepped in and moved that over. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting, it's terrifying, it's brought up a lot of other stuff. It's definitely trudged up a lot of... Um... A lot of feelings and fears and things we weren't expecting, which is totally okay. And I think very normal for a couple to feel. But um, I feel like social media really downplays what that can actually look like. People may get to believe that, you know, sometimes the second one is so exciting, but they don't talk about the maybe extra layer of, oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, financial, surviving depression, existing again. How do I balance my first, who isn't even two yet, and a newborn? A lot. But it's exciting. I am very excited for up And me. <laughs> cool. Cool. How I'm are you? Getting used to it, not used to it. <laughs> I'm excited, not excited. It hasn't hit me yet. It's kind of... Like you're you're big, you're showing uh, way faster than last time. I'm big, and I know you. what to. Oh God, you know what I mean. You're pregnant. You're actually showing it. Yeah, on almost twenty weeks, and I feel like last time you weren't maybe half this size at this point. And we were just kind of like, uh, uh, did yeah. something happen here? My like, body just like bounced back. It was like, ooh, I remember this. Let us um, unpause and play. Yeah, because man, my underwear, my pants, everything stopped fitting within like the first, I don't know, eight weeks. I was so uncomfortable in all my clothing. Yeah, it was quick. So my body was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, but my depression picked up right where it had left off, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. And that sucked. That was hard to watch. That was hard to deal with. And it does make me scared for the postpartum side of, I of it. I 
I'm very curious because I know I have more testosterone flowing through me, which I realize that is probably where a lot of like the rage was in the beginning coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, just due to the amount of like hormones that shifted versus like with oh I I definitely cried a lot in the meeting. It was a lot softer. I've, I've noticed the differences. Um, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I definitely feel like I don't know anything about this one. Oh, I dreamt about her. I met her before. We even got pregnant. I was aware of her. I had seen her. This one is so timid and quiet. And occasionally I'll hear him, but it's. It's not the same, so I'm very, um, very curious what that means. So I've only like seen him once, and I saw O like plenty of times before she came, and I'm like, okay, hello, anybody there? Knock, knock, knock. Right. Anyway, we but, didn't check in. Do you want to check in? Is this our check in? Are we counting this as is the check in? Check-in. How are you? How are things? Know, What's been you, up? How are uh, you feeling? Well, we lost our cat, and then there was the shock of having another child. And I think both of those, what were we like, less than a month apart when we found that out? It was a week. Like, yeah, okay. Great. Thanks. We found, <laughs> out, we that. found out the same week. Oh, yeah, that's our right. Our cat we passed away Tuesday, and, and we found out. You're pregnant on Friday. Yeah. Uh, that sent me downhill bad. And I kind of ignored a lot of it. And I definitely went into a little backwards into some of my depression from the past. And I didn't do a lot. And I could feel all my creativity leaving and everything. And I feel like I'm coming out of it. Um, so that's cool. But it was hard, for sure. And I think it's going to get hard again, because I don't think I've still sat down and really registered everything that's going to happen. And I know that when we go back into, like, no sleep mode for a little while, while also having to take care of this one here. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a challenge. But we'll get through it like we did this one. I don't know what to ex- I feel like I know what to expect, but I don't at the same time. And it just, it already feels so different that I'm like, maybe this is different. Maybe it'll be okay. But we'll see. How are you? I'm doing pretty okay now. <laughs> Sorry, you look like like you were like on track to go pretty good, and then you're like pretty okay, (laughs) okay. Sorry, it's just um, not an expected answer, and I live (laughs) with you, so that was anyway. I'm I'm better than where I was um back in March April time. Yes, way better. I was definitely in. uh, I was in. I was in the shits. Yes, it was bad. And, um, I think now that we are farther along, we're in second trimester, we've gotten genetic testing back, the unknown that I'm, you know, farther along and that we have not miscarried, like uh, 
those worries have calmed down. The initial setting of new hormones has calmed down. And um, let me tell you, man, like hormones in a pregnant body is just like, it's insane. It's insane because I didn't know prior to being pregnant, even with our first, I never thought about how intense um, hormones really were until getting pregnant and realizing like just how much that really can shift a lot internally and mentally. It's kind of bananas. Um, well, you're kind of going from like, I'll say an equilibrium, going from a steady state roughly yeah. to this OF, oh, we need all this new stuff. Here you go. Yeah. All right, you ready? Here's more. And then after it goes, okay, we're shutting all this shit off. Yeah, we're done. And then you're like, wait, but but I was used to that now. Now I have to go back. Oh my God. Just it's a stop. big roller coaster. So it's hard. You do it for you do it like twice. Yeah. It's really it's really intense. You know, um I can't even imagine that. It's really weird to like just sit back and think about that aspect of it because I'm like, damn. Um but honestly, like I've felt more afloat um, lately. I've been wanting to work more, which is hard because I keep fighting myself about going back to a space or finding a space that will host me. Um, partially just because I am five months pregnant and a lot of people are going to want to hire somebody that is uh, going to leave in like four months to have a kid and then be on maternity leave. For some unknown amount of time yeah and so um you know i'm balancing trying to keep the tarot flow going and doing energy work and clientele that way with the clientele that i have but also trying to figure out how i can grow it and um i think i also just miss that sense of community and it's just kind of uh I have this big sense of like feeling to provide right now, which is weird because I don't. It's the motherly thing from nesting, I think. I, I guess so. It's just such a weird like. We're also not stable like we had been. It's really. very different. And it's been very up and down. And I think it's about to stabilize, by the way. Yeah. I'm not trying to jinx anything, so I'm not really. Yeah, going no, down the road, but no, I, I think it's going to stabilize right now or be on an upswing soon. So, so there's that. That'll be nice. It's uh right now. I'm just kind of trying to figure out and prepare what my plan will be like after, and also just making community and connections with other people. And you know, I've got classes that I'm teaching, which is really exciting. Um, but I'm also trying to figure out what I want to do. Yeah. At the same time, which is kind of crazy because I thought I would be going back to work at this point. We're both in the same boat, kind of, with that. We both talked about that constantly. Like, I definitely, since I got let go, have been like, what am I doing? Why? Where am I going? How? And I thought I was going to go back to school. Oh, that was the big thing. I thought I was going to go back to school. And you're like, hey, we're pregnant. I'm like, well, not doing that. (laughs) That sounds insane trying to work and a newborn and a, a two-year-old all at the same time sounds kind of a lot. and school sounds bad. So bailed on that for now. For now, don't know. We'll see what happens in the future. But yeah, yeah. 
It's, it's a lot of change. It's a lot it is. Of... It is. And then watching you um, after your uh, surgery really fucked me up. Oh, well, fuck, you went to that. So, okay, so might as well just hit that. So, obviously, since we're having another one, I just went out and did the whole vasectomy thing, which I was supposed to do earlier. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. Um, my bad. So, yeah, that was not a lot of fun. We're... 12 days out and I finally feel like I can sit down and enjoy sitting down and sleeping on my side. So yeah, first day was rough watching you pass out and literally in Bolivian culture, like anytime you pass out or things like that, where your tonali or like soul leaves your body, um, it's, it's trauma. It's trauma that is unaddressed for and can cause problems later so watching you pass out while i'm driving and um our child is freaking out in the back and i'm trying to figure out how to freaking get you to come back and it was the longest three to four minutes of my entire life yeah okay i um i I don't ever want to do that again i like that's so traumatizing to me (laughs) yeah understandable so uh Mental note to anybody about to undergo a procedure of any form, even local anesthetic, please eat and drink something prior to yeah. it. And uh, make sure somebody's right driving after. you. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, for this, they wouldn't have let me. There drive are plenty on. of people that do. Yeah, I get it. Well, it's a good thing that you drove me because not a crash car. Um, yeah, there's that. Uh, I think the biggest thing outside of the eating and drinking thing is like, you know, going in and being very uncomfortable already and that being an anxiety area for me. Um, the nurse came in. Fine, whatever. She was very cool because she talked the entire time about what she's doing. There's no surprises. But then she's like, okay, and the doctor will be in in a few. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? So I'm like, balls out, right? <laughs> <laughs> On this thing freaking out already because i don't handle pain very well and yeah it took 10 or 15 (sighs) anxiety inducing minutes before the doctor came in and then i didn't think about the lidocaine which hurt going in and then he didn't wait long enough initially uh for the lidocaine so then i felt the first something or other and that was bad and then the lidocaine on the other side sucked and all of it whatever it's fine it was not fun um but here we are on the other side of it so i only have to do it once knock on wood because i really don't want to do it again so yeah fun times fun times yeah. so a lot of a lot of feelings over the last yeah two months because it's been about two months since we put anything it's, up because yeah. that other episode didn't go up yeah by the way, if you think we should do a Patreon, let us know. We're thinking about it. We got two episodes that have never been posted. We could put them up there. Yeah. You know, we're trying to make this a thing. It's not best. Sorry, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Our bad. We're trying to figure out how to get the ball rolling consecutively. Yeah. We're trying to plan on like a a day. And a work, burn, a work burn day. out of yeah. doing what we love at the same time. Yeah. Because we want to be better about the meetups. We want to be better about the podcast content stuff for everybody because it does mean a lot to us we've gotten a lot of awesome feedback and 
yeah, last few months have been hard just to get the desire to do it, you know. A lot of grieving. Definitely some grieving, some depression for sure. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about depression because we've been talking about this topic behind the scenes for a long time. It is something I've wanted to do for quite a while. So why don't how do you want to do this? Who who wants to go first? It's you or me. You can go first. When did you first know you were depressed or had an inkling that you when did I really first know I was depressed that I can recall really being in my depression, I was 16. Yeah. Um, definitely had, uh, yeah, definitely 16. That was a very rough year. And then I spent the next 20 years depressed. Um, And then the next really bad, I mean, honestly, it wasn't good from 16 through going through college, through the first bunch of years of work, through my first marriage. I mean, honestly, I had to go to therapy almost 20 years later just to even acknowledge uh, that I was, right? So, I mean, 20 years of it. I got a diagnosis of dysthymia depression, which is really a, a longer-term depressive state that's more um, environmentally driven. So it's driven by the things that have happened to you, and it's not a chemical imbalance per se. Um, pros and cons of that, you can't go on a medication to handle the chemical imbalance. You could go on a medication for uh, emotional control. Right, you do Prozac or another SSRI, but we decided not to go that route. And then I've been in and out of therapy five years, six years, six years or so at this point, off and on, as I've had the uh, capability. Unfortunately, my therapist. Um, and their organization doesn't take insurance, so you would have to go and submit it to your insurance. So when I really first started out, I didn't want it. There's too much stigma around all of that, um, and so I didn't. And man, that's a dumb idea. All it would take is for me to send the bill to the insurance company. All the insurance I've ever had would have covered it. I should have done it. Um, but again, I mean, that's that's part of it, right? There's the stigma of having a mental illness, even depression to just not want to tell your insurance company because you do that then it goes into a medical record and then blah blah like but who cares at the end of the day i've talked to general practitioners about it to tell them let them know now at this point obviously i'm going to talk about it i've written about it pretty extensively this whole project all of the projects on here are in some way shape or form revolving around that Um, and I don't have problems talking about it anymore, but I definitely didn't talk about it for probably, I didn't openly, I didn't openly talk about it. I couldn't be vulnerable about it. I would be very, um, 
joking about suicidal ideation and stuff. And I kind of told people like, look, if I'm joking about it, I'm okay. The days that I'm not joking about it, you need to find, you need to ask me if I'm all right. Because that's where I was. And for me, my depression, and I don't know which of these two are leading to the other one, but my depression killed my self-confidence or my self-confidence and lack thereof caused me to be depressed. But then it was just about the two of those were just constantly like, you're not worth anything. The depression would tell me I wasn't worth anything. My self-confidence would then suffer, which would then make me more depressed, blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until I reached uh, what I would consider my bottom was. But I also really, I've always been a very introspective person, but I also found out who I was in that time frame, especially around 15, 16 through like, early 20s did a lot of introspection to figure out okay this is me this is what i believe this is why i believe it um i found philosophy existential absurdism at that time which i still embrace which is a very bleak view to to a degree um but yeah there were definitely times where i didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to exist. And mostly because I just felt either a lot of emotional distress or I didn't feel anything at all. And I just wanted that to be over with. I didn't want to kill myself because of any physical ailments, right? I wasn't in constant chronic pain, but that emotional pain or emptiness or not feeling like I was worthy of love or that I would ever be happy. We can have a whole conversation about happiness later, but like it was that I just wanted that to be done and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I'm going to tell you right now, the hardest thing you will do on the starting point is that admission to yourself and then the admission to ask somebody else to start and say, look, to yourself, you are fucking depressed, dude. Like, you really are. Um, and I was high functioning, right? I could get up. I go to work. I could go home. I could go out. Not really with people because I didn't. Um, I go to work. I could excel at work, but I was dead inside and like i didn't believe in happiness or anything or feel good about anything at all and my motivation was really just proving people wrong which sure i mean i guess that'll drive you to a degree but it's not a fun way to drive yourself and stuff um and so then Went through a divorce, which is where the therapy started. Um, after that, I reached. So that started out as like a, um, a marriage family therapy session, right? Couples trying to reconcile. But I knew that. I was going into that knowing that was over. Um, but that therapist actually took me on 
as a, a one-on-one. And that was super awesome. That has been probably the most transformative thing for me. Um, I don't want to say it probably saved my life, but it's extended it for sure. <laughs> I, okay, well, we haven't touched on that. So let's just touch on that super quick. Um, by 16, I could not possibly see myself living longer than the age of 24 because I thought I would have killed myself by then. A lot of that about not wanting to be an adult, a lot of bullshit there. Um, got to like 28 and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm 28. What happened here? How did I get here? Whatever. And then I still had like almost eight years before I decided to admit anything and go to therapy and stuff. But yeah, it was. We do the work when we're ready to do the work. You do the work when you're ready to do the work. That is fantastically put. And you can't make anyone else do the work and you can't force somebody else to change, but you can help somebody change. But yeah. And so I have better tools on how to cope, but I can more easily feel when I'm slipping backwards. Um, yeah, depression sucks. There's no positive about it. Like, and I don't care if you are depressed for a week. I don't care if you're depressed for a month, a year, multiple years, whatever. It is not a fun place to be. Very lonely. Very lonely. And I think the loneliness then further isolates you from other people, the lack of self-confidence, the inability to feel vulnerable and trust and all that other shit will just continually sending you down farther until one day, hopefully, you reach out to somebody and there's somebody there to help you. Even if it is just yourself helping you. Because initially, it is going to be just yourself helping you. You're going to have to say, okay, look, I'm ready for something different. I want to try this. I want to admit that I am struggling. And that's part of what these conversations are about, is is saying that it is okay to struggle. It's okay to admit it. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay. And you can change, and it will be hard to change, and it will feel terrible. And some days, it will feel worse. Because you're going to have to talk about all these things. You're going to have to admit all these things. And then you're going to have to work through all of these things. So you're going to have to, sometimes it feels like you're reliving it all. And that is some days almost worse. Because when you're depressed, you can just say, fuck it and like ignore it and let it be there. Right. It can just be off to the side. You don't even have to think about it. You don't even address it. It's just in a box, in a room somewhere else. When you have to come back and open that box and pull it out and look at it and address it and think about it and talk about it and work through it, that for me was some days it felt like that was harder than having gone through it. And that added this extra layer of like, shit, I... (laughs) should have addressed any of this a long time ago i should have learned how to stand up for myself but that's 
five other episodes worth of topics right there, right? Why I couldn't or why I didn't feel like I could stand up all this other stuff, right? You end up having to learn how to do these things that were, that you should have learned, that you didn't learn, that somebody didn't teach you or that somebody taught you that you couldn't do it or whatever it is. You just have to go back and relearn how to think about yourself, how to think about others, and all the stuff you've been through and, and just try and you, you can't undo it. You have to just try and understand and acknowledge and work through it, accept that it happened and change your own perspective. And personally for me, a therapist was the way that worked and I got really lucky and I really loved my therapist um yeah and i got lucky and the first therapist has been phenomenal it doesn't if you don't like your first therapist if there's some problem find another one and keep going until you find somebody like that's totally fine if therapy doesn't work for you and there's some other way you want to go about it that's okay too whatever it is that keeps you going and is working for you and putting you in a positive direction is what I think is the most important thing. Even if you're just sitting there talking to a friend. So yeah, that is a quick and dirty, like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes about where you were the 20, uh, 20 years of the shit show, not the causes, um, touched on a diagnosis and yeah. Stigma sucks. Stigma kept me from talking or admitting or any of it forever. It does for most. I have seen depression in my family. I am more aware of the depression that was and is and has been around me. Um, yeah. So I'd like to say that my superpower is the ability to walk into a room and know people that are struggling immediately. I've worn enough masks. I've put on enough masks for other people. Uh, I know who's wearing them. <laughs> if you want to take your mask off, come talk. We're here. Trust me. It's not the first time I've taken a mask off. Helped somebody else take a mask off. So we've all been there. It's a shit show. It's not easy. But It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to feel like you're allowed to be seen or that you want people to see you. It's hard to feel like somebody wants to see you too. That's the thing. Like being vulnerable is scary as hell, dude. Yeah, it is. That is a very true and valid point. So you, yeah, you got my story. Let's do your story and then we can keep going with everything. It's um, fun. Unless you have questions. If you want to ask questions first, we can do that. You can jump in and we can go back and forth. We can go back and forth. Okay. Because I'm like, my brain's like, oh, God, what am I going to say? Um, when did you know you were depressed? I probably started around the same age, in all honesty, like sophomore year of high school. So I was probably about 15, 16 in that era. And, um, you know, there's that identity crisis of who am I? I don't fit in with. The cheerleaders, but I was a cheerleader. Um, but I was also an emo girl that had blue and pink hair. 
I had a serious scene cut. I was listening to very emotional music. I was cutting. I was doing a lot of different um, things and trying to figure myself out at the time. Cutting. Can, can we acknowledge that that's not hair cutting? Oh, yeah. Can cutting is in like self-harm? self-harm, not hairdressing. Well, I was hairdressing. I was cutting a lot of my own hair, but no, there was definitely some self-harm in there as well. Okay. Um, so um, that started pretty early for me. And um, it also, I think, had a lot of impact being a um, spiritual person as well and being catholic um we were never hardcore catholics but there we would go to classes and things like that and there were also um also things around like that would make you feel like you couldn't sin or you couldn't do something wrong and there was so much guilt and shame and all that extra pressure of trying to be the perfect human being in general. And um, I think that stress also really kicked up um, OCD behavior for me too um, at a young age, in all honesty. And that also turned into a lot of um, internal self-harm conversation of not being able to do anything perfect. And, um, not really getting to be a kid and that was really hard, but I also had a really hard upbringing of abuse and, um, sexual abuse and, um, also just, uh, as most of you may or may not know, I am a psychic medium. I have been all my life. So having to... Um, suppress that with certain family members and be open with it to others and not being able to talk about it or not being able to be truly um, myself at a young age was also very hard and debilitating. And um, that I think progressively got worse as I got older because, um, you know, the older you get, you find substances and you start abusing substances. And I abused a lot of substances to get. Um, I, when I was really young, I had a really intense um, empathy for people to the point if somebody hurt themselves, I could feel it. Or if somebody got sick, I could, I, my body would start doing whatever their body was doing. It was, really annoying and people would say oh you're eating too much and I probably maybe took a bite my body would be like you're done eating like my body would shut down um it was like I had no control over my own body and it sucked and uh that um growing up in a family where a lot of people were depressed and they don't haven't admitted it or have done the oh just you know work through it's fine keep going don't don't think about like the the what is it the toxic positivity to push through depression instead of like actually working on it 
If somebody tells me to just be happy, just go fuck yourself. It's not that easy. Sorry. So, um, growing up in that background, um, and wanting to suppress feelings of other people and just wanting to feel myself and who I was and how I felt, um, I got really into substance abuse and that made it easier for me to turn off the world because I was allowed to lose control and feel only myself and nobody else. And if you guys have ever been on like a merry-go-round or the ones where you have to like hang on and run and like actually push yourself and it spins around. Yeah, like a playground? Yeah. Okay. That's what it would feel like for me. And it was like almost like I could release control and just like sit and let the world run by and I wouldn't feel anybody else but myself. And um, that got worse as I got older um, because it, one, it got easier to access it, working in a salon, working in a very toxic salon where it was very easy to find people that knew other people that had connections. And um, my depression got insanely bad at that point. Um, because I knew how to mask it and I knew what to do to suppress it. And I knew what to do to, oh, I'm feeling really low today. Guess I need to find somebody that's got uppers because it's how many get rid of it. Um, so it was, uh, it was rough mid teens to my early twenties. And then things kind of stabilized for a little bit. Like I never went, I went to AA, I went to uh, narcotics anonymous. Um, and those we have sponsors and people that would help us through, but I never did actual like therapy before. And, um, I'll tell you what experiencing depression in different forms at different eras of your life is very interesting now as an adult, because experiencing teenage depression into your early 20s you're very different your brain is very different um you've had a lot of different experiences and then experiencing as a mother because hormones because you can't control the hormones the type of depression after having a kid people don't talk about it is it is hard it is really hard um They call it the baby blues after you have um, your firstborn. And uh, I just didn't want to exist. That is such a shit name for that, by the way. And I've always thought that PPD is. That shit was hard. And uh, it was at a very low point because you're like, oh, I just birthed something beautiful and I should be happy. And I'm not. That shit was rough. That took a really long time to get through. And um, I did get medicated and I was really scared to get medicated because I had so much trouble with substance abuse that I really didn't want to go backwards. And I really, um, you know, I knew what it was like to self-harm. I knew what it was like to try and commit suicide. I knew what it was like to just think about driving and letting go of the wheel and just <laughs> letting Jesus take the wheel, as they say. Um, 
But to, um, as a mother, have to go backwards and then be scared of, oh, fuck, am I going to start experiencing this because I have an addictive personality. I have a very, um, I had a problem at one point in my life. Am I going to just do the same thing where I just turn off? And it was really hard to, um, to battle to get the help that I needed at that point because I, I knew I couldn't just check out. I had somebody little that relied on me and that was, um, very hard and there was so much guilt. Um, I remember starting my first dose of medication and my doctor was like, normally I would suggest therapy, but she was like, you're at the point of where you need a life raft and I need to get you out now. And I was like, fuck, it's that bad. Um, it was that bad. And uh, that shit was hard. Um, because I didn't experience what I used to experience on narcotics. I felt nothing. I felt empty. Um, I felt like a shell of a human going on um, medication. And eventually I got it um, dialed back. They cut my prescription and they um, lowered the dosage, which helped a lot. And that calmed a lot of the suicidal ideation to the point of where... Um, something they don't talk about after having a kid is after having a kid and being a super sensitive human to spiritual things, um, they don't talk about your, what it's going to feel like. Um, people don't talk about your walls, your boundaries that you had prior to having a kid don't exist anymore. Doesn't exist. Uh, everything that I could do to turn people off or that I've learned to create barriers so I wouldn't feel other people so I could stay grounded, so I could appropriately um, take care of somebody in my hair chair or not take home in that way, like, energetically. It was like a fucking bulldozer the moment I had a kid. Um it was like nothing I'd ever experienced. Um, things that I would normally do to stay grounded or to stay in this plane just didn't work. Um, the overstimulation, the nobody talks about how overstimulating just somebody crying or crawling over you and knowing that they need you to just exist is hard. And while it is beautiful and amazing, it is hard when you go from nothing like that. Yeah. And then combine that with lack of sleep. Lack of sleep and trying to regulate your own emotions and trying not to think about dying or trying not to think about just closing your eyes and not waking up again. It's hard. Um So once we made it through that 11 months, I feel like at 11 months, I stopped breastfeeding. 12 months, I started stop breastfeeding, stop pumping. I pumped for a year. And um, that really um, 
change because I felt more like myself. I felt leveled out. And then we got pregnant again. And it was like my body completely remembered right where I had just given birth. It was like six months. And it was like, hey, remember me? And um, that was like a light switch, man. Yeah. And that was hard because it was just like I was exhausted. I wanted to be excited that I was pregnant again, but I couldn't be. And the idea of um, possibility of loss again, it just. uh, (sighs) The depression factor. In um, being pregnant before, after, and during is nothing like I've experienced. So you think it's different than the other depression phases at an earlier age? Yes. How? The um, pop. Part of it is the chemical imbalance mm-hmm. because of the amount of hormones surging through your body, knowing that one half of those are you and half of those are not you. And um, and because of that, it is it may live in the same realm and the same family and have the same experience effects. But I felt like as a kid, I knew ways, I knew tools, maybe not the best ones, <laughs> but um, yeah, there were different ways for me to move through that. And um, whether, as a kid, as a kid, and then as an adult and being pregnant, being sober. I felt like my toolbox had drastically changed because things that I had normally done um, after I had gone sober didn't work anymore. So you had already acknowledged that your toolbox wasn't full of like the greatest tools, right? Yeah. A hammer when everything's a nail and so on. Um, Did you find any better tools? As a... Now, yeah, I have better, I have better ways of realizing what I need to do and how I need to support myself, even though I'll drag my feet before I do it because I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. It's it's good. It's, it's okay. (laughs) I do the same thing for hundred percent clarity. I do the same thing. I never want to admit that I'm back there and it's not, I'm never knock on wood. I haven't gone as far back as I was, but like I can feel the backslide. It's just like now nah, it's gonna get. It's gonna. It's, it's, it's gonna fine. End. We're it's just gonna tough it out. We're gonna keep it's going. Cool. It's we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, there, there are different tools now that so you would say you I have better can, tools. I have way better tools than I had when I was younger. Um, I now know what's happening. At an early age, I had no control over my spiritual gifts. I had no control over the energies around me. I had so much suppression. 
that that caused me depression. And now in the midway through, it was, I had slightly better control of my spiritual gifts. I had the wrong type of tools suppressing and, um, that was getting me by during that time until I had overdosed twice. And that was a big, like, I don't think I really want to check out as bad as I thought I did. And, um, those, those definitely were big wake up calls. Um, the first time was on accident. The second time was, uh, I had taken something that was laced with something else and my body had a very bad reaction to it. Um, and then as an adult having depression, now I have better tools and I have a partner who checks on me, but I also have better support now. And it's different when you know you have to live for something else too. You know what else you have? And a lot of people don't talk about it. You have the frontal part of your brain is fully formed. They say the, the frontal cortex, they're part of it. Don't quote me, I'm not a neuroscientist. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, but there's part of your frontal cortex that doesn't really fully form until you're around 27. Fortunately, unfortunately, that's the part that is designed to keep you alive. The whole, hey, look out for yourself thing, which I'm really curious as to why evolution decided to wait until you're 27, which really would be helpful at 16. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, your own body, better late than never for whatever purpose, is kind of like, hey, all right, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Let's, let's think about some of this stuff. And I'm really curious as to what that does, how that really changes people uh, in terms of all that stuff. I um, can imagine. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what it's like in somebody who is pregnant versus not. Yeah. yeah. And what that does well, I think the hormone level there is just the chemical imbalance in that factor really does a, imagine what that is it's very different it's very very different yeah sorry guys if I'm repeating myself in parts of my story it's Here. one I'm crying and it's very emotional to process at the same time <laughs> recording because we don't normally pre do a pre-conversation it just kind of happens so sorry Okay. One, no apologies. Two, stop over explaining. It's, yeah. Anyway, you're fine. Everybody else understands. They're probably over here, tissues, wondering who's cutting onions in their own room and everything else. Um, yeah, man. That's what kept you alive. What do you, what do you think kept you alive? Is there something you can say, hey, this thing here, pregnancy aside in the in the earlier stages i was gonna say pregnancy was o okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> i guess i love you yeah but um that was, 
But oh, really didn't. I mean, you physically kept me, but oh, kept me on this plane. I definitely was really concerned for a long time there. I was um, concerned earlier this year, too. So, But Ophelia really, um, really kept me. It kept me here because I knew if I didn't exist, she would have nothing to survive off of just because that pure of outside of baby formula is struggling to have her actually take any type of formula, knowing that formula I was a shortage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the only like existence of this is how she's going to get fed unless we figure something else out like that really kept me here. Mm-hmm. You did too, but <laughs> you don't need to just throw it in there. I get it. I was there. Well, you were there in a to, different capacity. To a, to a degree, I was there. Um, we had the added pleasure of having my mom pass away a month after our daughter was born. So that was a big, there were a lot of things. Fuck you to all of us to try and have to work through all that. Um, but outside of the pregnancy part, earlier through your own depression, uh, um, is there so... anything you can point to? My gifts uh-huh. were probably the um, only thing in my family sometimes, but it was really hard to be open about how I was feeling with them. I don't think that any of them really knew until I got older what had happened to me, why I was the way that I was. Um in all honesty, but I think my gifts were probably my biggest um, saving grace because I could see things. I could talk to things. I could talk to certain spirits that were around that would support me in ways that other people couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably did a number for me, in all honesty. Um, my, a lot of people, I'm not really friends with anybody from my childhood, so, um, I was a very shy, timid person, and after I was sexually abused, um, I got really reserved and let anybody really touch me. I didn't really like my family touching me, like, to hug me or even, like, kiss me. Um, I would, I was very reserved about like the kind of like affection that I got from my family. All normal after sexual abuse, by the way. And, um, when they saw me dating people, they were always very surprised that I was so intimate with people publicly. They were like, why? And, um, I had a couple boyfriends here and there that definitely helped for a small amount of time before they were assholes. Um, but even through that, like, when I go back to, like, think about how in the fuck did I get out of that, a lot of it really is, is, um, I, I really relied on my spiritual gifts. And I remember somebody coming through and telling me if I kept going down the path that I was going, that I would lose my gifts because I wouldn't exist anymore. And I remember that being a, how I really cherish this part. I mean, like, I don't want to lose that. Like, that's, 
that's the one thing that I've always had and I haven't been able to share with anybody, but I, I have, for me, that was my most prized possession. Um, what about you? <sighs> uh, in all honesty, I couldn't do that to my mom. The one person that I felt like was there for me most of the time was my mom. And I'm an only child, right? So I knew that would have just destroyed my mother. And I couldn't do that to her. Um, You're talking about listening to emotional music. I've listened to a lot of angry music, a lot of emotional music, a lot of, I think music helped keep me alive to a degree. Um, At 16, uh, got out of the first really big relationship I was in that really, at that age, that wrecked me pretty bad because that was now. I know that that left me feeling like I was unworthy of love all over again. I feel like I found somebody outside of my family that could care about me and then stopped caring about me in the same way. And that, and I didn't know it back then. I didn't, or I wouldn't acknowledge or whatever. I don't know, but like, I've been able to understand that that left me feeling like I was, again, not worthy of being loved by somebody for whatever reason. Um, And I think I listened to Blink-182 Adam song. Yeah, you still can't listen to it either. For a month straight, the only song I listened to. And I can't listen to it now. If it comes on, I have to turn it off. I can't do it. Because it'll take me right back to to that spot, and I, I I literally can't do it. I have to shut it off. It's a good song. I don't like a lot of Blink What I Do, but like, shit, man. I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff in there that was not good. Um, but yeah, just the thought of how traumatic that would be for my mom is probably what kept me alive that and the fear of death the simple unknown of what's next and you and i have different feelings on death it's fine um (laughs) to me after this there's nothing and I, i wasn't ready to go into that level of nothingness and i think those two things are really whatever reason you know just let me sit there and deal with it and make me have to sit there and just feel like shit forever um i took the opposite path that you did i got lucky and around 14 i lived in las vegas i had a lot of friends that did a lot of crazy shit uh Learned a lot of lessons through other people. Um, but I also found out about straight edge and that subculture of 
all of that, not doing drugs and all that other stuff. And I, I jumped into that. I embraced it um, wholeheartedly and decided that I wanted to feel every emotion that I could feel. Uh, and I think that helped to a degree. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of anger, a lot of trying to prove people wrong that I could do all these things that they said I couldn't do or whatever. And yeah, um, <laughs> it's been such an upbeat episode. Um, but again, that's why we're having this conversation because nobody episode. talked to me about it. I didn't talk to my parents about it. I think by the time I acknowledged it to my mom, I was already early mid thirties. Right. And you know, when my mom got sick, she got very depressed. Um, she for whatever reason didn't seek the help that she wanted whether it was because I wasn't around to go with her or whatever uh, you know I was doing my own shit at that time right it's hard to do those things all at the same time too um, but yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I would say music definitely as well some of the friends I had who are still friends today, whether they know it or not. Uh, yeah. I think depression is a silent killer. I think people are too afraid to talk about it or you're already so far into it that it's hard to see anything else, let alone positivity. Right? Yeah. It, it, it kills your ability to trust anybody. It kills your ability to trust yourself. The stigma around it, the the attitudes of, oh, just be happy. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, if you haven't been depressed, telling somebody to just be happy is not, it's not helpful. It's not appropriate answer or. It, yeah. It, it's a, I don't want to deal with your emotions. So you figure it out yourself and leave me out of it because it's too uncomfortable for me to deal yeah. with. All right. Uh, not helpful. Um, you know, and then you do have those imbalances that are harder to treat and require some kind of medication. Now you're looking at the problems of taking those medications, the initial working through the dosages, because then moving to those, as you're well aware, can change how you feel already, which can make it even worse, which then can lead to uh, suicide because it happens. It's a side effect and it's on there and they talk about it, right? Until you get into that potential place where you find a drug that works is at the right dose. It allows you to live your life in a way that you're functional because a lot of those drugs leave people dysfunctional. It, sure, it keeps them alive to a capacity of now they don't feel anything and so they don't want to kill themselves because of that. But it, 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 yeah, it's why I didn't want to have to take a drug. It's part of the reason I know you didn't like being on them. You know, I can't imagine that. I don't want to go back to not feeling anything. It's taken me so long to acknowledge that I have emotions. I want to feel them and <laughs> shit, right? Like going back to that not going to be a what? positive <laughs> experience, right? Who oh, would do that? You're not a zombie anymore? Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, I think, I think if we can tell people that it's okay to talk about being depressed, it will make it minutely easier for people to talk about being depressed because it's not easy. It's not easy when you're in it to find the desire, courage, vulnerability, whatever, to even look at somebody else and tell them that. Yeah. Don't get too caught up in the world of social media where everybody seems like they're happy and they're doing amazing. They're fucking lying. Not All every, of it is a lie. Yeah, I was going to say, people are only giving you snippets. I feel like today's culture gets so caught up in, well, they're happy, I should be too, or, you know, I shouldn't, I should be experiencing pregnancy i'm just gonna use that or postpartum differently than i am now so why am i not like there's so much comparison and that's just an added layer of um shame grief shame guilt guilt is what i was looking for actually sorry unnecessary um comparison to somebody else's life um you know, we get caught up in what everybody else is doing that we forget about ourselves and what our experience truly is. And sometimes it's not pretty and sometimes it's not a fairy tale. And that's totally okay. Yeah, life is not, not a Disney to be movie. Perfect. Yeah. Or a romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, to the social media aspect, though, I think think if you look hard enough wow <laughs> sorry. sorry nobody can see this by the way so that was strange uh yeah you really having fun with that dog hair huh <laughs> sorry i found anyway. a really long dog hair ellie's hair and i'm like very enamored by it because it's just really long it's bigger than my hand so that's <laughs> thing. um i think if you look hard enough <laughs> There can be small pockets of social media that can be helpful. Yes, and that are safe and vulnerable. But you have to be willing to look for those things and open to receiving those things, I think, too. And try and turn off the other stuff and remind yourself that just because you see all these people traveling all over the world in these great spots with beautiful bodies, one... That doesn't mean they're not completely crippled by debt. Yeah. For traveling all that way. Doesn't mean that they like who they are in that body that they have. uh, And so on and so forth. We only know one side. You're seeing this curated fragmented piece. Seeing a curated view. Yeah. Designed to make you feel a way. I had a hard time with that when I first got pregnant and the after and oh, but these people are really enjoying their baby and stuff, and I am over here trying not to commit suicide. Um, Or people who are having their second child, and I am over here really depressed. Why the fuck is my experience not the same? So I've fallen um, into those traps of... You did. Of why is my experience not as magical looking as everybody else's and it's honestly just we are part of our human experience and it is going to be different for every person and every part of it is different there will be beautiful parts 
there are beautiful parts all the time now. Yeah, our you kid have is, to find it. Yeah, our kid is like walking and talking and like running, and I'm like, oh my god, I never thought we'd be here. So you say that, and actually, that was probably one of the other things that kept me alive was finding those beautiful moments in the world. Um, have you seen American Beauty, the movie? There's one, there's one scene and he's like filming this bag and it stopped touching me with the dog. <laughs> he's like filming this bag, just flying around in the wind. And he's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Whatever. Right. If that's what you find beautiful, cling to it. It's so beautiful. I can remember being in Hawaii at the edge of, I think it was Maui. And just staring out at the ocean, knowing there was nothing for thousands of miles and thinking that that was amazing. And that was one of the things where I was like, wow, yeah, okay, life can be worth living. And you have to find those moments. This, as crazy as that sounds, as hard as that is, um, you know, there's, there's a thing about nature that really ties us all back and allows us to kind of feel better sometimes, but that was something that worked for me. It's just getting outside, even alone. I just like to go outside. Mine was going away to the beach. Yeah. I run away to the beach. As soon as I had a car, every weekend I got a chance. I was at the beach. Just wanted to be in the water and in some sand. And Disney World. Those were my two safe places. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, please seek help. Yes. You find alone. Whatever type of help in a healthy manner yes, that can support please. you, um, whether that's talk therapy, whether that's MDR or, you know, finding people who um, have professional experience. Or maybe not if you have friends who at least can support you for the time being to help you grow that courage to go find the professional experience that you need. Um, ask. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. You yeah. have to admit it to yourself, and that's going to be one of the hardest things to do. And there's nothing wrong going on medication if you need it. It is scary at first. I will not deny that. And you will feel different for the first month and a half, but... Maybe longer. Maybe longer, but it does settle once you find the right dosage with the appropriate doctor who is looking out for your needs. I think the biggest thing is making sure you find somebody that connects and that is hearing you and seeing you for what's actually happening. Um, Suicide hotline, please. 988 in the United States. It has done magic. They used to be a 1-800 number. Now it's 988. And it works just like 911. It'll bring you right to... You can call or text. Yes, they do text as well. You can Google crisis text line. You can Google 988. If you Google suicide or something like that, it will pop up. I'm sure it probably works outside of the United States to find your local one. Please find your local crisis center and call them if you need it. And also, you were talking about... Um, like a time frame that it takes to get used to medication, you're going to find the same thing in therapy. Yeah, it takes uh, time. And it takes time to jive with somebody too. Yeah. But 
we're always willing to help give referrals or help find connections, even if we don't know any personally. Or listen to you. Or listen. Honestly. So we're, yeah. we're starting those meetups. We're trying to keep those meetups going. If you want to be seen and heard, all we want to do is listen. Let us know if you guys rather Zoom versus in person because we're, we're trying to do both. We're trying to do both, but we obviously will do one more than the other. Yeah. Um, yeah, guys. Thanks for coming to our TED talk. very real yeah. vulnerable talk today. Yeah. We're hoping to do more of these. Um, if you're suffering from depression, please know there's help. If you're suffering from anxiety or any other mental issue, there is help. If you have PPD, both male and female, because it does strike men too. Yeah. Please seek help. You're not alone. Uh, it sucks, but it can get better. Um, it just it takes some easy. time. It does take time. It can only get better if you're here to, for it to get better, though. Yep. Um, man, I've wanted to do this episode for a long time. It's exciting. Kind of glad we're doing this one. Um, we'll hopefully be able to do things more regularly now yeah. that our tiny can go to sleep. Dude, just killing it in with the sleep her stuff. own bed at nap time instead of sitting in a car. Yeah, Jesus. So, um, be prepared, yeah. guys. What do we have coming up? We're gonna try and do a meetup at the end of this month. By the way, it's July right now. If you're listening to this, so we're looking. I don't know, 29th, 30th, somewhere in there, maybe. Yep, we are looking to meet up at the end of the month. We um, check out the website for that. I have a DC retreat going on in August on the 5th and 6th. It's called Pim's Oasis Retreat. I am going to be doing an energetic workshop around cleansing the four bodies. If you guys are interested, there will also be sound bath, meditations. Um, we will be offering and I will be doing in-person readings as well as Reiki work. Um, it's a two-day event. There are tickets if you go to the Dark Arts of um, Instagram or my Instagram, diff underscore witchy ways. Um, there are places to purchase tickets if you want to. We will be closing um, ticket purchases at the end of the month. So if you are interested. The end of July. The end of July. Okay. So reach out if you're interested for that. We may also be having another in-person vendor event. We do not know if we've been accepted yet. You should know in a couple of weeks if you are interested in coming to a vendor event where we may have also a live little meetup come share corner and be vulnerable with us um, on top of some small items that will be in August. Yeah, I'm going to do a be seen, be heard table. So you come and you just talk to me about whatever the hell you want to talk about. And I'm going to listen to you because there's not enough of that going on. So if you want to come hang out, hopefully we will be doing that. We will know in two weeks Yeah, and just keep an eye out for the dark arts of so be like uh, mid August, in right? Instagram. Sorry yes. For cutting um, out, yeah. And we will post it there if we make it. If not, our next actual in-person meetup is in September. It is vendor event. Vendor event. Um, sorry. Uh, that is the 9th and 10th. And that will probably be our second to last 
Vendor Event. We may do one more in October, depending on how things are rolling. Um, and that's before the baby comes. Yeah. So things are are um, kind of going to come to a small stop. Um, so reach out if you want to be a part of the podcast, reach out if you want to be a part of a meetup, um, if you want to host us for a workshop or anything like that, or be a part of our vendor events or anything like that, please just reach out and let us know. Um, or if you want to meet up. Yeah, we are here to hold space for anybody wanting to be vulnerable. Yep. The dark arts uh, the, the baker, baker. <laughs> <laughs> and the witch at the dark arts of.com is our for, email. Yep. Um, the dark arts of at Instagram, the dark arts of at TikTok, which we are not on as much, but we're working on something we've, we've around some things. of that stuff. We've got a lot of things in the works right now behind the scenes that we're working on. So keep an eye out on the website. More to come there. Yes, and sorry guys, the shop just hasn't been uh, updated just because honestly, I've been doing more vendor events and just selling in, in person than uploading online because it's just been easier um, because uploading photos is really soul-sucking for me. Um, I'd rather do it in person because I enjoy interaction. So um, the store probably, in all honesty, probably will not be up till after December. So come to the in-person events if you want to buy anything or reach out via Instagram in all honesty, because I rather interact than sit behind the screen and upload things. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff too. Like cool shit. If you want pictures, we want brooms. Dude, these brooms are killer by the way. (laughs) A lot of people love them. The big ones are amazing. Got some big ones and I'm probably going to do another batch of new ones. Um, some cool red and blue ones, um, will be coming your way. So keep an eye out for in-person events and reach out if you have any questions. Or if you want to join us on anything. Yeah. We'll probably put out a couple more podcast episodes. It may go quiet for a little bit at the end of the year. Just, we'll you know, see. we're still here. We might have to do it for our own sanity, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to be asleep and awake and asleep and awake. And yeah. All this we other random shit. Episodes. Yeah. Otherwise, we might hand it over to you guys and let you guys do a few. Huh? Huh? Oh, oh that could be an interesting cool. idea. So, if you want to do that, let us know. If you want to share a story, we share stories. Um, I'd love to do that. If you want to share a recipe, I would love to share your recipes. That's very fun. We've had two people do that. It's super cool. I enjoy doing that. So, yeah. Well, it's been really lovely catching up. Thanks for listening to us talk about our experiences with depression. Um, you can share yours as well. Yeah. The more we talk. The more we heal. Bye, guys. See you soon.